Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another and Aaron, you are up this week. We just uh, had a little debate here indeed. about who was up. Yep. It's you. Yeah, I, I did this. You did it. Uh, and I'm excited that you did. What have mm-hmm. you brought to the table today? Um, I'm bringing Frederick Douglass in five speeches uh, to the table today. It's a documentary. Uh, you can find it on HBO yep. Max. Um, I don't know where what other streaming service you would find it on related to HBO, but yep. that's the one that it's called. Glad you were clear um, about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So... The first thing that really stands out to me about this documentary is how well it's done. Yes. Right? There's So there are five different actors who are presenting five different speeches, uh, and the speeches were performed so well. Um, Beautifully. Just, just, yeah, fantastic, all of them, and all had different takes on them. Uh, so that was great. There was also um, sort of one actor reading – um, throughout yes. the the documentary, words from Frederick Douglass's uh, autobiography, autobiography yeah. um, mm-hmm. which was also great and provided a really cool narrative thread. Um, so that was great. the The producers really tied those speeches uh, to his Frederick Douglass's history, yes, uh, which I thought was a really great way to tell this story. Um, by bringing together what he was doing in his life uh, with what through these speeches with yep. sort of the things that were happening in the world around him and yeah. uh, how he was reacting to that and working within that. So just really great um, way to tell the story, honestly. Uh, and it, it also reminded me that I didn't know, I don't know really, I guess still much about his life, honestly. Um, yeah. Which I think shows a big gap in like sort of our education yeah. um, system, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there's pieces of his life that I think are remarkable to learn about mm-hmm. um, in in this documentary that I just hadn't heard before. Or maybe I heard long, long time ago and right. forgotten. Um, who knows? But, um, you know, from his escape from enslavement to this kind of astounding fame yeah. that he had celebrity in the night. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the 19th century, um, which he had that fame b- before emancipation. Uh, but then it really, uh, I think accelerated after that too. So it was just on the whole, a really great documentary, great thing to watch. It's about an hour. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, that's that's what I'm bringing. Yeah, it, it's a really quick watch, right? Yeah. Um, so that is a is a bonus for folks who need that. But yeah, it was it was incredible. I really enjoyed the film. Uh, like you said, I think it was so well done and um, like just a really sort of beautiful way to tell this story of his life and you know who he was as a person, as an abolitionist, as a leader, um, and to also showcase I think some of his most iconic speeches. Um, yeah. Right. And 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 his just brilliant thinking and, and work around abolition and, and social justice um, in, in our country's history um, and in the context of the country at the time. Right. And and like you said, those performances were breathtaking to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think, like you said, they sort of all took like they put their 
actor's hat on and and delivered the speech in the way that made sense to them, but also in the way in which um, I think they wanted to be as true to Frederick as possible, right, in the mm-hmm. delivery of them. Um, but what I also loved with each of them talking about their reactions to yeah. the speech and what they read. Yeah. Um, and kind of maybe why they chose that speech. Yeah. Some, of, some of them did that too. Right. Um, but I did, part of the performances I really liked was at the beginning of each of them, they all start silently yes. and they're looking around. There's nobody there's no audience that right. they're performing this to aside from maybe a camera crew or something. Yep. Um, but the way they're looking around as if there is one, yes. as if they're about to start giving a speech. Yes. Um, I really liked those little details and, yeah. and choices that they made. It was beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was beautiful. So, um, I think they, the, those folks just knocked out of the park. Um, uh, and so I think for the speeches alone, for that, that, uh, that artistry, <laughs> if you will, like, that alone made this a great watch. Um, but I think the film was great from the perspective of um, sort of showcasing and demonstrating the incredible amount of bravery and conviction that Frederick Douglass had, right? And so, you know, he, you talk about not knowing much about him, and there's still a lot to learn, right? I think I maybe I know a little bit because I'm from Maryland, right? And so yeah. in, in my Maryland public school education, we learned a little bit about Frederick Douglass, um, but, you know, not not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a lot to learn. And, um, and I think that bravery and conviction is something that we can all learn a lot from. Um, right. And so, you know, on one hand, just thinking about, as you alluded to his escape from slavery, right. So he stole, um, someone's ID and boarded a train up in Baltimore, um, and took that train to other trains, to boats (laughs) all the way to New York. Right. And eventually made his way to Massachusetts. Right. Like I think that takes some real, bravery to risk your life right because at any moment on that train someone you know the conductor or the what are the calls people who walk around and check your ticket check your id um right like that that would have been an immediate like uh death sentence for him i think right probably um and i think also about like um what we can learn from his again bravery and conviction when we look at what he did when he got to Massachusetts, right? And so mm-hmm. he met up with William Lord Garrison, who was a famous abolitionist of the time and was invited to speak at this anti-slavery convention. And and there's where he gave his famous, I've come to tell you something about slavery speech, yeah. right? And that speech, again, is just, you know, in defiance of the fact that he was an enslaved person and um, really took some true courage um, to stand up there and say, uh, yeah, I'm an enslaved person, but let me tell you about what that means, right? And let me tell you about the horrible institution that is slavery and why it needs to be abolished, right? Mm-hmm. And to sort of, again, put his life and safety on the line to to do that, right? And I think there's just so much to learn from and be inspired by um, when it comes to um, that as an example of how we how we have to continue this fight that we're in now and these yeah. conversations and and as we face all of the the myriad of challenges <laughs> right that we have in our country right now yeah i think that speech um was so remarkable for the time because he had just uh not long before right yep. escaped yep. um and there were so many ways that um uh, folks who had escaped uh, enslavement were recaptured and set yes. back um, and uh, tortured or killed yep. um, and combinations of both um, that to speak out is that, as you said, remarkable right? like, bravery. Um, 
And I think the thing that really, um, you know, ties all that together is how much he um, wanted to tell the story of of what it's like, right? Yep. As you said, yeah. Um, because I think he was. It seemed like the documentary, the way that they told it, is he was impressed with how much white abolitionists in the North understood the system. Yes, right. They understood the horrors of it. They understood the things that he told them about, but then he was able to tell them about it differently than yes. you could understand it as somebody who hadn't experienced exactly. it. Right? And so he was tying together this knowledge, this the cerebral knowledge yes. with the sort of physical and emotional um, trauma of, of those things. Um, and I think that that is probably why it was so he was so effective yes um and I, I think somebody says that toward the end of the documentary that he understood that you had to um get to the mind change the mind through the emotions yes um so brilliant yeah it was such a such a great uh speech and i again an an element of um telling his story through these speeches where the, this is the first famous one yes um and then it moves through his life from there right um, so f from that moment, he, uh, becomes, uh, connected to William Lloyd Garrison and, and is, uh, traveling the country telling his stories, yep. um, through this speech. Uh, and eventually he writes his own autobiography, yep. right? And then he goes to England because he's getting too much attention, yeah. I think, um, so he goes to England. Uh, what a time this was, right? Yeah, and then for so he's he's gone for a little bit, and then he returns. Yep, uh, from England, and he writes and delivers a speech called "The Right to Criticize American Institutions," which begins with, "I have no love for America. As such, I have no patriotism. I have no country. What country have I? The institutions of this country do not know me." Do not recognize me as a man. Mm. And I, this speech in particular, I think it was so powerful to me because of how much weight I think it's, I think it still carries. Yes. Um, and how much of it still rings true um, today. Yeah. So, and I, I think that that's accurate for many of his speeches included in this documentary. Sure. Um, but this one in particular, I think spoke to me, um, because it, it, it really um, highlights the ways that the so-called American project violated the humanity of black people from the very foundation of this country. Mm -hmm. And those stains continue because we've never really reckoned with the history of enslavement or the history of the violent collapse of Reconstruction um, that led to Jim Crow um, white supremacy. And so um, in our, our own you know, sort of, um, flavor of apartheid. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, um, this speech really captures the, so much of the, the connections between these things. Um, even today, uh, I think, you know, you'd have to change a couple things here and there, a few small details yeah. from it, but ultimately, you know, if, um, somebody stood up today and said this, like, yeah. Right. But yeah. 
Well, and I love that, Aaron, because I love the connection you're making to sort of like this American project, right? Yeah. Um, and, and the history and the connections there. But I also, I can hear it. I can hear it in what you just said when you started. And I feel the same way, right? But as we talk about things from the perspective of who we are, right? Like to think about this idea yeah. of, uh, what is it? The institutions of this country do not know me, do not recognize me as a man, right? And so mm-hmm. what does it mean in 2022 for me to sit here as a black man and hear that, right? And for you yeah. to sit here as a white man and hear that, right? What does that mean, right? And this country has always seen you, someone that looks like you, right? As a man, as a person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but not the same here, right? Yeah. Um, and certainly not the same for, for Frederick um, at the time. Um, so to think about the weight of those words then, right? And to think about what they still mean today in so many ways. Um, mm-hmm. And as you said, throughout the history of this country as well, like is wild. Like I'm yep. racking, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in some, some feelings about that, yeah. uh, listening to you talk about it and, and reflecting on it from the, from the film. So um, I think that's huge. And I, 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 I loved and appreciated that. I think um, one of the things I have, um, really always loved and appreciated about Frederick Douglass and respected so much and just found really incredibly powerful about him and his words and his work. And um, as you have said, as many of the folks in the film have, have talked about was this ability for him to talk about humanity, mm-hmm. right? And so when you talk about sort of the connection to mind and heart, right? And you talk about sort of sharing the experience from the first person, right? Like, so his ability to talk about his humanity, the humanity of enslaved people, our collective humanity, right? I think I think that's really the best way to make change happen, right? And the only way we'll ever get to the place we need to be, right, is, mm. is if we're talking about hum- humanity, right? And so, um, and, and I think as you sort of alluded to too, he does this in all of his speeches, right? He does a lot of, a lot of things in all of his speeches, that which is what makes them brilliant. But um, Jonathan Majors, who's an actor, a great actor, performed his speech, Country, Conscience, and the Anti-Slavery Cause, uh, back in 1847. And, um, you know, you alluded to sort of part of this um, in the other speech, um, but I think there was a lot of vulnerability um, and truthfulness in the ugliness that was slavery, right? And so um, he says, again, now in a country as this, such as this, I cannot have patriotism. The only thing that links me to my land, to this land, is my family and the painful consciousness that here there are three million of my fellow creatures groaning beneath the iron rod of the worst deputy. Despotism, good Lord, uh, that could be devised even in this pandemonium. That here are men and brethren who are identified with me by their complexion, identified with me by their hatred of slavery, identified with me by their love and aspirations for liberty, identified with me by the stripes upon their backs, their their inhuman wrongs and cruel sufferings. This and only this attaches me to this land and brings me here to plead with you and with this country at large for the disenthrallment of my oppressed countrymen and to overthrow this system of slavery, which is crushing them to the earth. Yeah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there's a piece of this that for me, like that visceral imagery that you get when you read that, right. Particularly think about the stripes on your back being crushed um, to the earth. Um, But like it, I think overall, like uh, in addition to that sort of the visceral nature of that is just right. this, the way in which he is vulnerable and shares that humanity of the experience and what it is like to be enslaved um, and what this country has done um, to folks is just powerful. Yeah. And the Jonathan Majors 
his reflection after performing that speech, um, he says, he, he mentions that uh, crushing them to the earth. Yes. Uh, and he references George Floyd. Um, exactly. In, the, in that same um, moment and seeing the connection between, right, like this, is, this was more, I think, about what was happening in my mind with the connection between these speeches yep. um, and the words that he wrote and the things that are happening today. Yep. Um, right. And so all of that, that, that connection that he made um, very um, viscerally, to borrow your word, I think is really powerful. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so Coleman Domingo uh, read, yeah. um, performed really, yeah. the proclamation and a Negro army. Um, and he, in that he said, um, or after that he performed the speech. And then after that, part of his reflection was, um, that's also the trick of this country to try to make us forget and have amnesia. Mm. Um, and he was talking about that in the context of, I think we should all know more about Frederick Douglass yep. and, and his work. And, um, we sort of collectively don't know yes, much. Right. Um, and so he said, but that's the trick of this country yeah, to make us trick. forget and have amnesia. Um, and I, I love that because it rings so true. I think for me individually, right. Like not knowing a lot about Frederick Douglass, um, but also I think collectively it rings so true about so much of our history. Um, and to, to go back to a comment you said about your, uh, state of Maryland yeah. education and learning about Frederick Douglass, I can tell you a lot, um, about the Spanish conquistadors who, you know, invaded Florida. If yeah. you would like to know. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's what my Florida, what Florida education, education did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks. Um, important, but let's yeah. learn, right. let's learn, learn other things learn. too. Yep. And these mm -hmm. important things too. Yeah. I, yeah. I learned other things, but I, I, I that's what I most remember yeah. from Florida, <laughs> Florida history education, I think I in the it. fourth grade. Oh, wow. Um, so, but I think this this piece about amnesia and this country, the trick of this country is making us forget. It reminds me how important it is to fight against the bans on teaching Ooh. this true critical history. And I think why that all feels so important to me um, and why I think we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. Um, and in the context of this documentary, it really demonstrates that this kind of banishment of real history is a betrayal of the people. It's yeah. a betrayal of our stories yes. in sort of service to those who are already in power, in power and have control um, and have money and, and, and control. And when they want to expand their agency and power and control. Um, and I think that that's, that's why we have to keep fighting those things um, so much um, and being real loud uh, and making people uncomfortable about it. Um, yeah. So um, that was one piece. And then another piece um, was a story that I, I feel like I knew maybe I heard somewhere. Okay. Um, but about Douglas is that he um, walked up to the White House without an appointment. <laughs> without an appointment. And then had a meeting with Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, just like um, that. So I guess it was right after the Emancipation Proclamation yep. um, had happened or thereabouts, somewhere yes. in there. Um and he decided, I need to talk to Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and so he walks up to the White House and talks with Abraham Lincoln, um, who, uh, while well, Frederick Douglass is introducing himself and telling him about, uh, you know, these are the things that I've done. Lincoln stops him and says, Mr. Douglass, I'm well aware of who you are. Absolutely. I love um, that part. Yeah, which speaks exactly to his um, sort of fame yes. right, that I mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Um, 
And so I, I think this meeting is so um, interesting to me because it gives him a role um, sort of more officially, uh, even more so than mm. he already was as the spokesman of black America. Um, and at least that's what David Blight says in the documentary. He's one yes. of the historians who was uh, interviewed for the for this um, film. I, but the story, I think, is just astounding that, you know, he just walked out. Yeah, he up and decides he needs to have a meeting. Absolutely. uh, And he gets one, and then it sort of elevates his importance, but also influences and shapes Lincoln's thinking moving forward. Yeah. uh, Which is also crucial and and super important in the, when you think about the history of of the country and how things move forward from that moment. Absolutely. Right. And like you talk about sort of elevating his prominence and his, you know, his position, it's really sort of also, you know, gave him like official positions within the government, right? Yeah. He was able to then get some appointed positions yeah right and so like that um, is remarkable to think about and again it's remarkable to think about uh when you think about the fact that he was born into slavery right Mm -hmm. and sort of this journey that he's been on um i i i loved i love that i love the piece around um what this country has a tendency to do in trying to get us to forget our history right we've talked about that many times here and how important it is for us not to do that um you know we've also talked so much already about the the relevancy of his words and his work to today um Mm -hmm. and the fact that all of these actors really took some time to reflect on um what his words mean and why they're so important to them personally, but also um, in the context of of what's happening in our country. Right. And so we already talked about Jonathan majors, um, you know, and his connection to what uh, that idea of the system was crushing to crushing enslaved folks to the earth. um, And what happened with George Floyd literally being crushed to the earth. Right. Um, There was also Jeffrey Wright who talked about, um, I think this was the lessons of the hour speech. Um, And he talked about why that speech so resonated with him or resonated so much with him um, because we're in so much of a similar cycle to where we were um, then in regards to the suppression, right? And so suppressing people's voices, people's votes, uh, people's rights, uh, people's humanities, right? And so... um, I I agree with you. I think so much of this film really um, reminds us of the importance of um, not uh, forgetting our history, continuing to learn about our history, right? Like we're in this position that we're in right now and we're talking about what we know about Frederick Douglass's life and and we we both agree and know that we can learn more about um, him and his life and his work, right? Yes. um, And so there's that piece and just making sure that we're fighting and figuring out ways to make sure that, you know, because history has such a profound way of repeating itself, like making sure that those things don't happen. Um, and history has a profound way of sort of, um, what do you call that? Like morphing into new ways and systems of oppression, right? Um, so how can we continue to fight that and take the lessons that we're learning from folks like Frederick um, mm-hmm. to be helpful to us today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really great tangent or not tangent, uh, I was like, segue. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a really great word. segue, um, <laughs> to then, uh, lead us into talking a little bit about application Let's do it. Um, and how this connects to our lives. Uh, so sorry for flubbing the word there <laughs> looking for segue. I love it. Not the little scooter thing either. Yes. Um, so I think for me, this, this application here, um, is about Frederick Douglass's life. Okay. Um, so how do we like Douglas sort of embrace conflict 
in a sort of positive sense mm. um, and speak against the cultural norms and institutions in a way that demonstrates the vile nature of those things yes. and do it in a way that's authentic to us because there's that moment where um, in the documentary they're talking about how he decided to split from um, William Lloyd Garrison and, and his sort of following because of the way that they wanted him to perform Yes, um, in those uh, speeches and on that circuit that they were on. Um, and so I think that that's an important part of this here too, is like doing it in a way that's authentic to you Yes, um, while demonstrating the vile nature of those, of those norms and institutions. Um, well, and that necessitates you always then constantly checking in with yourself, right. And sort of yeah. making sure that the work you're doing and the, the, um, yeah, the work that you're doing is in line with your values too, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. I think that's a beautiful illustration of, of what he had to do and what we need to do. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, this context of him, of Douglas speaking, where I'm working vehemently against enslavement um, and how we now understand and see that period of our history as so vile, so vile that we refuse to actually talk about it and reckon mm. with it. Um but then, you know, thinking about how are we going to now look back on prisons and the criminal punishment system? How are we going to acknowledge and recognize the people who spoke against it and created alternatives yes. um, against it as, as well? And that's so those are the things that I'm thinking about, too, is like, what are these what are the breadcrumbs? Like, what are the what are the paths to follow What how um, how do we understand his life to be a an example of um, something to to admire and look up to and, and model in some ways. He wasn't, we're human. We're human. He, he wasn't perfect. Um, but how do, how do we sort of look up to him and admire him for his convictions and his bravery and his um, ability to speak and communicate and, yeah. and write um, and be seemingly pretty prolific too right. over the course of his life. So, um, yeah, those are all the things I'm thinking about is that those parallels between the abolition of enslavement and the abolition of uh, the criminal punishment system in the prison industrial complex. I love that. I, I think one of the things you're really good at every week when we talk about application is thinking about or posing these questions for us to consider. Yeah. Um, and Frederick Douglass gave us a lot of um, things to think about, right, as we think about the work that we're doing yeah. um, today. So I love that. Um, you know, you, you also talk about his... Um, oratorical skills, <laughs> yeah. right? And so I think when I think about application of this film and and um, to our to our daily lives and our work, I can't help but think about that, right? The oratorical power that he had, right, and the role that his words and his ability to communicate um, so brilliantly um, played in ending slavery and in sort of advancing civil rights in this country, right? And so I think. I think that's one piece of application to take away from this film and from Frederick Douglass when thinking about when we're thinking about the work that we're engaged in um, around social justice and collective liberation, right? This idea that our words matter, our stories matter, our messages matter, right? The delivery of those words and stories and demands is important, um, right? And so um, that's sort of one piece. I think um, I've been thinking about um, this other piece of application for me is um, the idea of, um, like what else it takes to get there, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things the film does is it shows us the ways in which he posed for photographs, right? He was one yeah. of the, he's one of the most photographed black men of the time, um, and sort of one of the <clears throat> excuse me, one of the folks in the film, uh, I think it's an artist, talked about how he looked at the camera, right? He never looked down, right? Like yeah. he, he made conscious decisions about sort of how he was photographed. Um, and so that piece, but also he was on the cover of Harper's, which was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, incredible for the time, right? And so I think, uh, you know, there all of that plays a role in this, right? Um, and so in addition to um, having folks like him who just can get up and stand in front of a crowd and be this amazing public speaker, right? We also need artists and organizers yeah. and educators and politicians and abolitionists. We need data. We need real data to support our, our causes in some ways, um, right? And so while we need that person up front doing the talking, it, it takes so many people behind the scenes, right? And, and organizing work and action as well, right? So all of these things to get us to the place that we need to be, um, right? And so I think that to me just inspires this idea of, you know, we can all play a role. We can all bring our strengths to um to this work and this is a, this film and Frederick himself is a true demonstration of um, bring your, bring your talents, bring your strengths. Right. And he did yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's, 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 there's a role for all of us in this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to um, try to tell people is that there's, there's always a role for you Yes, and whatever it is that your talents and skills and experiences can bring. Um, there's space for you to do those things absolutely uh, in in a lot a lot of different spaces a lot of different organizations i should say yes um all right let's talk about homework all right um so how do we want to continue to learn about frederick Douglass's life um i'm going to call back to some homework that i offered or suggested when we talked about eyes on the prize hallowed oh, ground yeah uh and say that i i need to head down to the frederick Douglass house in dc oh yes it's not that far from home yep um the National Park Service website uh, says this about it. Uh, the Frederick Douglass National Historic Site preserves and interprets Cedar Hill, where Frederick Douglass lived from 1877 until his death in 1895. The centerpiece of the site is the historic house, which which sits on top of a 50-foot hill and eight acres of the original estate. Restored to its 1895 appearance, the house is furnished with original objects that belong to Frederick Douglass and other household members. Um, so that's actually honestly going to have to be some long-term homework. Oh, yeah? Uh, since the site is uh, says that the house is closed um, until 2023 for oh, some gosh. maintenance, repairs. Something. Sure. Okay. So um, that's... One piece of homework. In the meantime, I want to check out the digital archive of Douglas's papers that the Library of Congress has available on their website. Okay, um, which I clicked through and um, and looked at a few things, um, and it's really cool. It's like scanned images of his letters to oh, different that's people, cool. and um, probably um, you know speech drafts and things like that. Yeah. Too. So oh, okay, yeah. Let's check that out. That's cool. All right. Um, I love that. I, like I said earlier at the top of this, like I think we can all learn. 
a whole lot more about Frederick Douglass and his life and his work. So that's some good homework. Um, I am thinking about adding yet another book to our reading list. Um, Do it. Why not, right? Um, One of the folks featured, you mentioned him, uh, David Blight um, Mm -hmm. is someone we hear and meet in this documentary. He is a historian uh, and a professor of history, African-American studies and American studies up at Yale University. Um, And he wrote a book that actually inspired this film. If you see the credits, it says Mm -hmm. this film was inspired by. The book is called Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom. Um, and the book actually won him a Pulitzer Prize, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to check out this biography. I really enjoyed some of um, what David had to say in the film, right? And yes. his sort of um, how he took us through um, Frederick Douglass's life and his reflections. Um, and so I think I might enjoy, uh, I probably will enjoy his writing about uh, Frederick Douglass as well. So just continued, uh, add it to the list and ways in which we're going to keep learning about Frederick Douglass. Yes, great. I was going to have that on my homework too. Ah, good. Uh, and then sn- saw a sneak peek of yours and was like, <laughs> well, I uh, will pass on that. Uh, but yeah, David Blight was, um, everybody in the film was great. Um, and the, you could just, I think you could tell um, that Frederick Douglass has been uh, at the center of a lot of David Blight's career. Yes. Because um, if you look at his biblio, like other books he's written, um, he's written some other books about uh, Frederick Douglass as well. So yeah. he's got a uh, depth of knowledge, I think, about Douglass that really comes through uh, in the in the film. I love it. Very yeah. good. All right, Damien, you're up next time. Uh, what are you bringing to the table in our next episode? I am. All right. So um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to do something that we don't typically do. Uh, nope. Oh, okay. Well, then I need a minute. Uh, (laughs) Pick something else. (laughs) Um, We don't typically bring the same kind of media back to back um, in back to back weeks, I should say. But um, uh, for for the folks listening, we hung out this weekend and you mentioned this documentary. Um, And I really just haven't been able to stop thinking about it, um, particularly because of how relevant I think it's going to be just given the onslaught of mass shootings we just keep experiencing in this country. Yeah. Um, so the documentary is called The Price of Freedom, um, and it actually premiered late last year, uh, I think in October, um, and it's out right now on, as you called it, HBO Max, <laughs> if folks want to check it out with I mean, us. That's what I called it because that's what it's called. That's what it's called. Um, so I have here the description from the documentary's website. It says, The Price of Freedom is an unflinching look at the gun violence epidemic in America and the role that the National Rifle Association, with its outsized political and cultural influence, has played over time. The NRA believes the deaths of innocent Americans are a necessary price to pay for the freedom to own firearms without restrictions. By manipulating the narrative around guns and backing politicians who commit to upholding their agenda, the NRA has cost us far more than we realize. Featuring passionate pleas from President William J. Clinton, Representative Lucy McBath, and Senator Chris Murphy, NRA board member and former NRA President David Keene, and activists on all sides of the issue, the price of freedom represents a compelling case for those brave enough to take a stand against the NRA in defense of our communities and our collective future. Um, So, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it, right? Again, I think there's... um, you know, I, I want to keep it sort of interrogating this notion of gun ownership and sort of freedoms and, um, you know, particularly just given what's happening in our country and how sick and tired I, I am and I've been for years of the fact that we just aren't safe um, yeah. anywhere, really. Um, so 
I'm excited to watch this and sort of just see what where the where the where the film takes us, what kind of conversation mm-hmm. we're gonna have about it here on the on the podcast. Yeah. Um I started watching the first few minutes of it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty heavy, um, but also okay. probably pretty um rage inducing just from like seeing the you know it talks about manipulating the narrative on guns and backing politicians and i think you you really get to see some of the ways that that happens wow um and i think that that's um you know gonna be yeah rage inducing absolutely to say the least so absolutely um yeah so that that's good i also wanted to um Shout out. Maybe we should think about reading Carol Anderson's The Second. Oh, uh, yes. Which is a book about the Second Amendment as well. So yes. that's, that's another thing to maybe think about. Uh, I love it. In the future sometime. All right. Um, all right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do here. But in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with the people in your life. Give us a follow on social media. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we have going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.